When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I will say, you know, Disney is thrilled that The Mandalorian is back because like Andor merch just doesn't quite yeah. hit yeah. the same. No. You can't yeah. have like a little, although I would buy like a little like stuffed plushie of Stellan Skarsgård. I think that would be cool. <laughs> Greetings and salutations, everyone. We are back on the Dagobah Dispatch, and that's not all that's back. The Mandalorian is back. The season three premiere just dropped, and we are going to break down everything that went down in the season premiere. Not only that, but we are going to welcome the man who directed that premiere. Rick Famuwa is going to join us. He's going to tell us what it's like to direct Grogu, and he's going to react to his star, Pedro Pascal, calling out Return of the Jedi as his favorite Star Wars film. Does he agree? We'll find out soon enough. But first, I am Dalton Ross, uh, just hanging out here in the podcasting living waters with Devin Kogan and Lauren Morgan. And Devin, because you're super fancy and live out in LA, you didn't just watch the premiere on your laptop or TV like uh, the rest of us hoi polloi. You went to the big Mandalorian premiere event. Tell us absolutely everything. Uh, I did. I got they had a little premiere event uh, here in Hollywood last night. Um, so I got to see it about like three hours before the rest of everybody else, um, which is which is kind of funny. Um, but it was super fun. Um, it was held in in Disney's big theater, the El Capitan. Um, there was a red carpet. Uh, the fun thing was there was like a zillion sponsors. Um, so you could get a uh, Grogu Gogurt. Grogurt. And um, they also had like Eggo waffles with the Mandalorian helmet on them. Um, and <laughs> it was it was great. I went with our former colleague, Shirley Lee, um, and we had ice cream and waffles for dinner. It was fantastic. And um, but it was so fun. They had the actual um, Naboo Starfighter uh, that, that didn't rides in now. Um, so uh, got to hang out and see that. Um, and it was super fun. We, we got to watch the first episode. Um, they brought out, uh, so, so John Favreau and Dave Filoni both, you know, spoke to the audience. They brought out Katie Sackoff and Pedro Pascal. Um, and then they were like, uh, do you want to watch the second episode? We were like, yeah. So we watched both episodes, which was super, super fun. Um, and yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. I, I, there was something really cool about seeing it on a big screen. Like, I don't think, no, if I've seen well, actually, I take that back. I got to watch some of like the stuff at Star Wars Celebration, like on a big screen. But this was like, it was cool to get to watch it in an actual movie theater, you know, where where Grogu's head is like 10 feet tall. You know, he just like, he looks great in high def, you know, where he's like, you know, hanging out with with little baby Babu Fricks and and spinning in chairs and doing, doing Grogu stuff. So all in all, 10 out of 10 experience, highly recommend. I'm glad you had a good time. I really wish Lauren had been there. And I really wish more than that, that someone with a camera had been there to follow Lauren as she was like, like hoarding all the Grogu, Gogurt <laughs> right? and like Grogu, like go waffles. Gogurt is disgusting. <laughs> I have had Gogurt and I, I am not a fan of Gogurt. So I would have gone for the waffles because I love myself an ego. But, you know, otherwise. Uh, Wait, why have you had why have you had Gogurt? Because my <laughs> Isn't my that just for people under the age of like eight. Yeah, well, I have a person who's under the age of eight, and she'll like they, they always get it with like a kids meal, and she's like, "Oh, <laughs> this is disgusting," and I'm like, "I guess I'll eat the grogurt uh, or the gogurt," and um, and then I was also like, "Yes, you are right. This is disgusting." So, uh, sorry to the makers of gogurt, but you need to improve your your manufacture product so, yeah yes, it's it's but your happen. marketing team yes. is fantastic because grogurt is just <laughs> 10 out of 10 grogurt, grogurt. It's a natural. i mean that's you know obviously yeah it's a natural uh well that sounds like tons of fun uh, i saw some photos on Devin's social of her and the uh, the starfighter cool. in the background looking awesome um so let's talk about this episode like i said uh we're gonna have the director rick famua is going to be joining us we're going to talk some some Mando with him in, in a little bit, but let's talk about episode 301 here or chapter 17, as they like to like to call it. 
And we're going to go through it kind of chronologically. And obviously, spoilers here. If you're listening to this podcast, we are talking about the season three premiere of The Mandalorian. There's nothing massive. There's no huge event that happens. So if you're worried about that, that's not. But you know what? Probably makes sense to watch the episode before we talk about it. So here's my first question to you two. Was I the only one stupid enough to be fooled by that opening scene and think that that little mini Jack White looking guy <laughs> was young Din in a flashback I, I, before we realized that Din flew in and like, you know, saved the day. I, I thought that as well until the time, uh, the moment that the Naboo starfighter cut across. And I was like, oh, but then I was like, where did all these children of the watch come from? I didn't think there was that many left. So I was a little confused about that. So. But yeah, and initially. Yeah, I think they've just relocated from the the living in what the culvert on Navarro and they found a nice cool lake to hang out in. Um, but I thought they were like all like, uh, I don't know, the last time we yeah. saw them, it was like her and one of the Vizsla. It was this uh, the armor and one of the Vizslas. And I was just like, where did all these Mandalorians come from? So No, the, the, the last time we saw was Book of Boba Fett. And it was just yeah. her. Yeah, was that's the what armor. I was just meant. There was just a bunch of like a bunch of like. Not bodies, but like armor yeah. that she was melting down. Like people have been killed. Yeah, that brings up, like. So I have a question. Um, mm-hmm. John Favreau has been giving interviews these last couple of days where basically he said that he's talked about the timeline of this show. And basically mm-hmm. he said that that seasons one and two took place over several years. Um, and then basically claiming that, you know, when um, Grogu was with uh was with Luke. Um, he was actually there for like a long time and like maybe even like as long as a couple years. And so I, yeah, I don't know. I'm a little confused by all this. Cause I feel like we haven't, I, I feel like this whole thing has only taken place over like, I don't know, like eight months or something, but apparently it's been several yeah. years. He, he, I, I spoke to John Favreau and he, he, I kind of was like, huh? He mentioned that like, oh yeah, he's been, you know, training with Luke for like two years. I was like, wait, what? Like two years? Like, I thought it was like, like right. two weeks or something. Not I, a like, long time. Two years? Yeah. I mean, I could see the Luke training with him for two years, but like when they said that the Mandalorian took place over the course of several, like the first two seasons took place over the course of several years. I thought that sounds a little bit strange. Like I, I didn't really think that tracked, especially since a lot of episodes just kind of picked up like one right after the other. Um, but I mean, I could see him being with Luke for uh, a fairly long time, but I, I really feel like that should have been in the text of like, you know, sometime during the book of Boba Fett, like Mando saying, I haven't seen him in two years well, or something uh, of that sort. What's so. also interesting about that, Lauren, is because if, mm-hmm. and they're acting like we are, like that Ahsoka, the Ahsoka series coming up, is going to be working in the same timeline as Mandalorian. We know that she showed up already on Mandalorian and mm-hmm. Book of Boba Fett for that matter. But they're acting like that's all going to be sort of concurrent. And if this is whole the ghost crew, like looking for Ed- Ezra Bridger and stuff, like Rebels took place a pretty long time ago. Like what I'm saying is they're aging up those characters pretty significantly from where they were on Rebels, right, Lauren? Uh, yeah, because I mean, Rebels took place about four years before New. I mean, the the before beginning New of Hope. Rebels, like Ezra was about fifteen, which so that would have made Luke and uh, Leia this because uh, they're the same, all the same age. And then the last scene of Rebels takes place after Return of the Jedi, which does kind of get into the Mandalorian timeline. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm kind of curious, like as to you know, will. Ahsoka just pick up after season three of this. Like, I'm, I, I am a little curious about that. But, you know, just calling out to the space whales, which was my one of my uh, favorite parts of the first episode, was when Grogu saw the space whales. And I was like, that's a callback to uh, Star Wars Rebels. I was like, space yeah, whales. Yeah, the Pergil. So I, I think the per- Pergil. Yeah, call. the Pergil. That's- and I was like, maybe Ezra's riding one of them right now. Like, well, that may be why. I assume is, that, that that's anyway. going to come up again because it's like it was. Yeah, it wasn't just like they're in the background. Like, they had a whole scene of Grogu in hyper hyperspace looking at the Pergil, which is like I said from yeah. from Rebels, like Lauren mentioned. So it's like they're clearly. I feel like that's a setup to Ahsoka, the Ahsoka series. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I figured it is. But I mean, there are you know they're just kind of tying in, in all these like little rebels things. But I mean, it, I think that scene was also just effective because it was kind of beautiful. But I do wonder if you people haven't seen rebels, were they like, what the hell are those things? Like you know, because that's not really been introduced in the 
you know, in the main storyline of Star Wars. At yeah, all, I can so. tell you at the premiere, you know, it was like a it, it was a big crowd of, of you know, Star Wars fans mm-hmm. and the people who just watched The Mandalorian or whatever. And the space whales got like a very intense but much smaller like, hey, yeah, woo. <laughs> and then like some people were just like totally quiet. So because like I'm assuming they were like, what? this is beautiful, but I don't know what, what is- this is a reference yeah. to. Um, but like the people who got it were like, oh, my God. <laughs> so <laughs> that, that would have been Lauren. That was me. Like, yeah. yeah, that was me at like, you know, 1030 last night watching The Mandalorian on my phone after I got the screeners trying not to wake up my husband. So wait, yeah, wait, 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 just stop yeah. everything. Just stop the entire podcast. Mm-hmm. You got we, we got the screeners last night sent to us. You mm-hmm. watched on your phone, like not on a laptop mm-hmm. or a computer. Oh you my God. literally on watched on like the, the, the two inch by like four inch phone. Yes, Why I did because do- I was <laughs> because I was about to go to sleep and I checked my email. Like I literally, I literally was. I had finished a book. I was about to go to sleep and I checked my email and I was like, I wasn't expecting Mandalorian screeners and I was like, well, hell, and I wasn't about to get out of bed and go downstairs and watch them you on my laptop. You weren't about to get out of bed to get the no. laptop. So th- you're, Once you're, I you're get like into favorite bed, show. I do not get out on of bed t- on TV. No. You prefer to not get out of bed and watch it on the two inch by four inch rough specs uh, phone. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Basically, I was already in my bed. I'm not getting out of my bed. Can't you put the laptop in the bed with you? No, I don't generally bring my laptop into my bedroom. It stays downstairs in my in my office. But, you, but so, why, no. why not though? In that situation, in this specific situation, you want to be snuggly. Also, it's late at like, night. I get all that. I get husband, everything. My husband was already asleep, and he already gets annoyed with the phone light. So I was just like, I'm not bringing the laptop in here and really getting him annoyed. So I'm just gonna sit here and watch. The I phone. respect this. I feel like so, Lauren. Like she mm-hmm. she got the email. She was like, I can watch this right now. She's like. I'm going to watch it even in like less optimal conditions just because I need to watch I it now. I next to my bed. So I'm just going to start watching it right okay. now. So, and I also, I did the calculation and I realized I have to really watch these episodes right now and get to sleep because I have to start work at eight o'clock in the morning. So, you know, there were things, you know, I didn't want to waste the any only time. reason I'm cutting you some it. slack is because I know Lauren's going to watch mm-hmm. the episodes like 18 times each anyway. So she True. will watch it. Wa- I already rewatched it this and morning. It so. <laughs> and there like, it is. I knew, yeah. So. <laughs> and there- I haven't rewatched number two yet, but I, I rewatched. Now you the put first the phone light on so. next to your sleeping husband. Did you at least put earbuds in? Or <laughs> oh yeah, no, I did. I did actually had I had a, a pair of earphones that would have complicated things. Then I mean, if I didn't have my earphones next to my bed, I probably would have gone downstairs because I didn't have them. But I did actually have a pair, so that kind of facilitated. Did you audibly make a noise when you saw the pergol in the hyperspace outside the hyperspace lanes? I did not make audibly make a noise because I'm very good at like I usually am watching the Mandalorian at like four or five o'clock in the morning because I would always have to write something for EW. So I've been very good about like when I see something exciting on the Mandalorian, not making a sound because I'm trying not to wake up either my husband or the seven year old at the time. She's well trained, so ladies and gentlemen. I can gentlemen. watch these things. Yeah, I'm well okay. trained. So, uh, you know. Let's move on in the in the in the premiere. Let's go back. Let's head back to Navarro. Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. it's so fancy, ladies. Look how fancy Navarro is. And Grief Karga's got droids carrying his robe and oh, like incredible. the streets are clean mm-hmm. and it looks totally like a different place, right? Look, I love a Star Wars cape. That is like my favorite thing in the world. Um, he had a good and cape. And this was a top tier Star Wars cape. Yeah, this, you was, know, this was, On the, on the ranking of Star Wars capes, I mean, I, I would put this one up there, up there with like Lando and Ben Mendelsohn and Rogue One. And like, mm. this was a great cape. And with the little droids, like, you know, kind of rolling around behind him. Um, look, I love this. I love Carl Weathers. I, I love this character. Um, I know he returned to direct an episode or two this, this season, which I'm really excited for. Um, I loved him taking out these pirates. Uh, we love a little bit of a, like a gunslinger moment. I love anytime the Mandalorian leans into its sort of like Western vibes. Um, and this gave me very, very much Western vibes. Um, I yeah, and we we realize that that the reason um, Din is coming back to Navarro is is for a very specific reason. He wants to track down uh, the only droid he's ever liked, uh, our good buddy IG Eleven, voiced by uh, Taika Waititi, um, who has you know we haven't seen since what season one, um, and when he blew himself up to to 
you know, sacrifice himself to, to save Navarro City. And um, they turned him into a statue, which I thought was so lovely. Um, yeah. What did you guys make of, you know, the return of, of sort of return of, of IG-11? I thought that was a little bit bizarre because I was like, really? In the whole universe, you can't find a better droid for this. <laughs> so it's just like, as I did, but it did lead to my um, favorite scene outside of the space whales was when uh, they had to go try and repair IG-11. But we'll get to that in a minute. But literally, it is now my favorite scene in all of Star Wars. And I have watched that scene multiple times. So we'll get to that in a minute. Well, I think there's probably also another favorite scene in this um, in this episode is when we get, uh, you know, Din is talking to Carl Weathers. His real name is Grief Cargo, but he'll just forever be Carl Weathers. Or in Apollo, his, Creed. Or Apollo Creed. Yeah. In, or in, Action <laughs> Jackson. Right. Um, in Just in his office. And, you know, they're having like a serious conversation or whatever. And Grogu is just having the best time of his life in this little spinny chair. He's using the force. To- yeah, using his force powers, which, I mean, obviously that's the best use of force powers. I also did like when um uh, mando was like his name is grogu and uh grief was like whatever you say <laughs> like, <laughs> like that sounds like nonsense sure whatever yeah but, but i did just like how like grogu was just throwing out his hand just to make his chair spin and i was just like yeah yeah if i had to force powers i'd probably do something silly like that so I, right, I and he like stole that. an m&m mm-hmm. from from grief's desk i was like i loved all of this yeah uh dalton what about you yeah i liked all the navarro stuff a lot and, and i i, I mean <laughs> i will say the one thing i got a little caught up on all right there are these pirates right mm-hmm. and these pirates and there's some pirate named vane Who's like really insistent on going to drink inside of a school? Like yeah, for some yeah, reason, like, that's, really. like, there must, that's his must line in the, the sand. Somewhere else, like yeah. I mean, I like grief. Carga comes down. It's like, dude, you don't need to go in there. I got this posh ass office here. Let's go, just like live it up. Like you know, dollar dollar bills. Like yeah. just make it rain. We got all the space. He's like, no, I'm going into the school. I'm going to yeah. drink here. It's like, first off, they don't have alcohol in there. Like they can't yeah. serve you. What is what is the problem? So they I don't. Probably, they might have some green cookies like they did the last time but you know they're not gonna have any i mean i just was like i i was like grief could have probably been like we have many fine drinking establishments in navarro now like this is the school <laughs> like, I don't know. It, is it also me or is the dude that he works for gorian shard they said his name like a million times so he must be a big deal is it just me or does he look like a, like a, a bad guy from Pirates of the Caribbean, like eight yeah. or something? Like he does. Look- <laughs> I got I got Swamp Thing vibes. He literally <laughs> looks like you know um, he just like went to like a hunting supply store and got one of those like ghillie suits yeah, where you was- like look like you're like a bush and <laughs> and put that on and and yeah I was like a little bit like oh that's the guy I thought it was gonna be some reveal of like I don't know like a cameo or like an actor we knew or like a you know something but I was just like oh he looks weird as I mean, granted, I love when Star Wars goes weird as hell with its like character design. So I was like, okay, swamp guy, pirate person. Love it. I feel like if we're going to be introduced to that dude, he should have been on the planet, whatever it was called, where he delivered like the frog lady, where he went went to go meet the other men, Bo-Katan and all them. Like there are a lot of like fish type creatures like on that island. I feel like that's his home base well maybe he he was like tired of being there so he's like i'm gonna be a pirate and go to space because i'm tired of being in the swamp i think the actor who played him uh was nanzo anansi uh or he was on uh, game of thrones if i'm right about the uh anosi uh if i'm right about the actor who was playing gory and but i saw him and i was just like i was like did he come out of like the the um the comics or something because i was just like they kept mentioning him and i'm just like this is very specific for someone. So I was kind of curious if that was like a fan shout out or something. But Yeah, I didn't recognize the name at all. No, I, mean, I didn't again, recognize I don't read the either, comics. But, or, but, uh. yeah, I suspect I just we like, haven't seen the last of him. Yeah, so no, I'm, I'm probably not. He's... Especially if, if that is the actor that is playing him. He's He he pops up a lot of different places. So I'm assuming. Yeah, they're not going to give him like up. one line and yeah, a quick you know, scene. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's, let's go. Before we get back to the IG-11 thing that I know Lauren wants to talk about, let's talk about the other big news that came out of Navarro, which is the uh, some news as to the whereabouts of Cara Dune. Uh, how are they going to handle this? Uh, we know Gina Carano, uh, not no longer seemingly part of this universe. And so basically Carga says, Hey, we need a new marshal. She was recruited for special forces. Very sort of generic, mm-hmm. uh, after dropping off Gideon. 
So that that was the explanation we got. It was one line. Devin, how'd you feel about it? And was there any reaction in the room at the premiere when that line was said? I feel like there was a little mumbling. There was like yeah. a little like, oh, yeah, there okay, there <laughs> it is. Um, but yeah, I mean, I look, it's fine. I think it's, you know, I think that's probably the best that they could do. Just one line to explain it and just move on. I think that's yeah. that's probably the the right option. You know, and, and one of the interesting things is like, you know, as they enter season three, I was just like impressed by... You know, Mando's made a lot of connections. He's kind of traveled all around the galaxy. He's like, you know, there's just like a lot of characters, you know, um, who are who are popping up. And and so I, I'm like, oh, yeah, there's like a bunch of, you know, my first thought when they were like Marshall was like, uh, where's our boy Timothy Oliphant? Yeah, um, mm-hmm. because if you watch Book of Boba Fett, uh, he, uh, you know, he faced off against uh, Dalton's personal favorite, Cad Bane, That's right. and um, got the crap beat, beat out of him um, and maybe died. But when we last saw him, he was he was floating in a back to tank. Yeah. Um, seems to be in OK shape, but uh, we'll we'll see. And so I'm like, hey, hey, you need a marshal. There's a really good one you should bring back who's hanging out over on Tatooine. But I'm hoping again, I hope we see more Timothy Oliphant just because I love the chemistry between him and Pedro Pascal. Um, I just think they're both great. And they're both like in the same kind of like Western gunslinger vibes. Love everything about it. So more Timothy Oliphant is what, what I'm saying. I think this should Although be. Although it, it seems like Tatooine might need every marshal it can get. So <laughs> that's <laughs> true. He's pro- that, but like, so. you know, I mean, Grief Karg has got some money. He might be like, here's a boatload of credits. Please come be our marshal. You know, yeah. it's green. There's no, you know, it's not like you don't have to deal with, you know, sandworms. farming. Moisture farming. Yeah. Exactly. Great dragons. Exactly. Yeah. Uh can't leave Freetown, Devin. You can't leave Freetown. Come That's on. Right. Um I, I would get the hell out of Freetown. <laughs> I, but... would too. I would too. <laughs> Navarro City, they got a school. They got bars. They got cool statues. What's not to look? Luke, Luke I... certainly seemed to have left Tatooine and never looked back. So I wouldn't blame anyone else for I doing don't blame that. Him. So yeah. See now, Lauren's just getting mad about the, the lightsabers being buried in the sand again. I can see <laughs> I it on her face. It. I was thinking about it. <laughs> so let, let's make Lauren happy. Let's go to her uh, her favorite scene here of uh, IG-11. Uh, Lauren, they try and bring the droid back to life. The, the, the hands start to move. We see a light go on. And oh my God, the... Uh, the uh, the nursery droid is back, but that's not what happens. No, he uh, basically resorted to his original programming. And if you remember from the premiere of The Mandalorian, uh, he was sent to kill baby Grogu and he, or, you know, baby, the child, whatever at the time. Uh, and he uh, basically just starts uh, trying to kill him again. And, uh, you know, uh, Mando tosses Grogu to grief and uh, basically a nice statue of a uh, grief uh takes ig out but you know uh mando is still determined to get uh ig fixed which honestly at this point i'm like really there has to be another droid like, yeah there, i that just does not your losses yeah, yeah totally totally but, but look he's got all that trauma he doesn't yes. like droids he's like okay this is the droid that changed my mind about droids you know he yes. was very brave he was so brave we made a statue of him like i get it like i, I mean know, like would i have still. moved on and found a different droid <laughs> yes but like I yes. get it. But anyway, it leads to the fantastic scene of um, they, they take, Grief takes Mando and the remnants of IG-11 to what looks like a collection of Babu Fricks that are just kind of hiding. This kind of reminded me of the Fraggles in Fraggle Rock where there's just this little entrance and they're just, they're just, they've got their little workshop, which I would have loved to see Mando trying to crawl into that little workshop. So there's Anzellans who are what Babu Frick is from the Rise of Skywalker, the only good thing in the Rise of Skywalker. And um, we get this fantastic scene of uh, the Anzellans trying to fix IG-11 and being like, no fix, no fix, no fix. Uh, and I, it was just a delightful scene. And then baby Grugu looks at these tiny little Babu Frick creatures and tries to uh, hug them, uh, which leads to some of my favorite lines of no squeezy, no squeezy, bad baby. So bad these, baby, bad baby, <laughs> no Incredible. squeezy, no squeezy, you know, so wonderful Grogu hijinks. This is the entire reason why they brought him back. So he can do these kind of things. So if I had a baby myself, I would probably would say still, I would say no squeezy, bad baby, that kind of stuff. So I loved the scene. It was great. 
I loved the scene where they there's like you see um, Mando having these conversations with these Anzellans and then it cuts out and you see him hunched over in their yeah. little tiny workshop. <laughs> and like that got stuck in this workshop. like that got some of the biggest laughs of the audience of, of the whole night. Everybody just like little like giant Pedro Pascal, like hunched over talking to these these little droid smiths. Mm-hmm. Um, and Groot uh, Cargo like translating everything that does not need <laughs> to be translated right. at all. Need to be translated. <laughs> 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 oh, it's funny. It was and good I, stuff. I was like grief cargo being like, I'm not going in there. These capes are expensive. I'm not crawling. You know, right? So, like but, you can't fit the cape into yeah, into this tiny so, workshop. This, this entire, I mean, this this entire uh, scene was very antithetical because, like, we just you know had been watching Andor, which was very serious and all about fascism. And I was just like, I love this type of like goofy nonsense when they do this in Star Wars. I was like, this is very much more geared to children. So. Um, and I am a child at heart, so I really enjoyed this scene. So, well, let's 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 tackle the last scene, which mm-hmm. is when he goes to Kilvala to go find Bo-Katan and uh, finds Bo-Katan just kind of lounging, straight up chilling yeah. on the throne uh, there, and um, she's basically like, "Mandalore sucks. There's no point in going back." I can't lead them. You've got the dark saber. You can lead them. Uh, go on, get out of here, and go to the mines beneath the civic center and get it get it done. Um, Lauren, what'd you make of this scene? And uh, especially, <laughs> I'm just like, yeah. I'm like, so is Bo-Katan just hanging out in the throne the entire time? Like, she's not checking out the hollow net. She's there's no just activities like, in there. It's a big empty room. Yeah, it's a big empty room. You <laughs> she's know? doing it just in case somebody visits, so she can look really dramatic lounging. Yeah. She on does the look very. I mean, maybe she, maybe, maybe her droid was like, "Oh, you've got a visitor," and she's like, "Fine, I'll go to." throne i was doing something else but yeah it really just does look like she's you know just depressed staring off into it was like but yeah so um this is i think we we saw these uh this uh this set in the trailer i thought it was the sundari royal palace which was sort of the throne room you saw a lot in um in clone wars, clone wars. But I, I don't think that was. This is not the same throne room we saw there. But no, this is not. the home planet that uh, of uh, of Bo-Katan and of her sister Satine Kreese and all of this sort of stuff. So they have a lot of history on this planet. So, alas. But yeah, I thought this was interesting. It, it was interesting enough. I guess here's here's my question to you all: Is that I I I liked the premiere, like I, yeah. all the scenes. Individually, I really liked. Thought they were either fun or there was good action. Like every scene, kind of set out to do what it was supposed to do, and I think succeeded. But when when the episode ended, and we were fortunate enough, the three of us, to watch the second episode, but let's put ourselves in the shoes of everyone else who only watched that first one. I felt like it lacked a little of the propulsion. Usually, when you see a season premiere, it's setting everything up. Yeah, and maybe the problem is this was already set up in Book of Boba Fett. Like, go to Mandalore, right? Like, so we already had the setup. In that sense, it, it felt like well, I enjoyed watching it, but like at the end, I felt a little unsatisfied. Did either of you feel that? I also felt that. I felt yeah. like it was an, an odd. I feel like it was like you know the whole episode was what like forty five minutes, something like that. I feel like it was a bunch of like really great fifteen minute sequences it was um, only 30 minutes Devin. Was it yeah really? well, oh the, yeah this one was the second one was longer but. so it was so it was like a bunch of really great like 10 minute sequences yeah um so but like again i, I think you're right i don't think we got like a, a a clear arc it's like okay here's the scene with the armor here's the scene on navarro here's the scene with with bo katan um but i think you're right there wasn't like a clear sort of arc over this premiere um yeah. again i think all of these scenes worked really well individually and i think it was a really like i had a great time watching it but i think you're right for a premiere it was a little odd and i just still it was a little choppy i think i'm still questioning that decision to make that put that reunion in book of boba fett because yeah. i feel like yes. that should have been the season premiere and it should have been this big emotional moment um and you know i i think that's that would have made more sense as opposed to sort of like i don't know it's like when you read comics and there's like you know uh you're reading this whole like let's say you're reading i don't know captain america comics and there's this whole thing and it's like this whole story about captain america and then like the big culmination of this story you have to go pick up an iron man comic because it's like a weird crossover um and so if you don't do that you sort of miss it and it, it just sort of you lose your momentum a little bit so i'm curious especially as they launch ahsoka um and they've got skeleton crew which is also set in this same time period um but is run by different creators um 
but it's executive produced by by Filoni and Favreau. I'm curious whether they will, you know, whether we'll see more of this, this sort of like intertwined, like storytelling, you know, everything kind of melds together, or if you'll see them sort of start to treat each project like, okay, no, we need like a clear narrative this arc. This needs to be a finite. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm just curious. I feel like they're being kind of experimental right now. Um, and I'm, I'm curious sort of where they're going to land because I, I think I agree with you, Dalton. I was a little underwhelmed, which is why at the premiere when they were like, we're going to show you episode two, I was like, okay, good. Like, I want to yeah. see like, you know, where the story's going, what's, what's happening and, you know, um, sort of set up the rest of the season. I so, also like, I don't think they really explained what happened in Book Book of Boba Fett very well. That, because, oh, that's what I was no, just looking up. They were basically yeah. just like, I finished my thing. He came back, and I was like, that's not that's not like that's not really a good explanation. And even the recap didn't really. So I really do think like those like the that the that I think it was like episode like five and six of Book of Boba Fett really should have been the start of this season. And, you know, and like maybe they, they could have had Mando in Book of Boba Fett. Like maybe it should have just been five episodes. Like he helps the battle. And then, you know, we start because I think that that fifth episode of Book of Boba Fett. Really I think, I think set, there were seven, seven Boba Fett seven episodes. Total, just to be but clear. like the right. like it was the fifth episode where Mando came in and it was like right. all of a sudden this is like the Mandalorian. Um, but I think that really set the stage of like where Mando was mentally, where his covert was you know, how much he was missing Baby Yoda, like the, all the stuff with the Darksaber and not being able to wield it uh, and that kind of stuff. And I feel like you didn't get that in this at all. And I just like, this really did feel like kind of like the fourth episode of a season. And, you know, it didn't really feel like the opener. So that was like the kind of thing where I was like, I just don't think that was a great idea to put all well, that stuff in Book of Boba Fett. The weird thing is, if you didn't watch Book of Boba Fett, not only do you not understand what's happened and why these yeah. two are together, but now what it's essentially done is if you want to go back to see that, it's now spoiled Book of yeah. Boba Fett for you, right? Yeah, like, so it's like, it's, it's lose-lose, right? Mm -hmm. You know, now you don't understand what's going on in the show you're watching. And now now to understand, now you're going to have to be spoiled on the show you need to watch to catch up to understand yeah. it. So yeah. Yeah, and I I don't know about you guys, but like watching the 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 recap before the premiere episode, um, I thought for sure we would get some of that. We would get some of that flashback. Yeah, we didn't really to get like, much of that at all. No, we got more no, IG I thought, and I was like, okay, they're just basically right, was, making. Yeah, yeah, I was like, okay, so IG Eleven is going to come back or something's going to happen because he's in the pre he's in the recap. But we didn't get any of the like. I thought we would get some of those scenes of you know baby yoda like with having that conversation with luke and being like you know i want to go back and then like their reunion or whatever but none of that was in the, the premiere recap i i sort of assumed that they were gonna put yeah. that in there for the people who hadn't seen it but it was it, it was not you, there you you said something really interesting Devin. how you're like okay they put ig 11 in the recap so you know i'm gonna i'm gonna see ig 11 or something like that I've started to on shows that I'm all caught up on that I've watched, right? And I remember I've started to make a point of like not watching like those recaps because they yeah. really, in a way, spoil yeah. like like it takes away the surprise. Like if you see like if they're all of a sudden showing some random footage of IG88 from like two two and a half seasons ago or whatever, you're like, oh well, he must be showing up, and now I'm not going to be surprised to see that. So I kind of like close my eyes, plug my ears, la, 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 or I just hit a skip button. But yeah. either way, I'm not watching that. Are you guys the same? I am kind of the same because I think so many times those, I think those recaps can be really helpful, but I think they can also be really spoilery because they sort of telegraph like, hey, this is something you should pay attention to. Um, you know, basically like, because again, if you see a character you haven't seen in a couple seasons, you're like, okay, well, this is going to play, have some role in in this plot. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, and I, I think that's, I don't know. Part of that's like the streaming, um, you know, kind of model and things like that. But I don't know. It's 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 a little I mean, that's kind of always been the way with with television, you know, even like broadcast television where it's like, hey, you missed last week. Here's what you missed. Um, but I do. It, it can get really spoilery in a way that yeah. can be kind of frustrating. Um, like I know, for example, if we get a flashback of Timothy Oliphant, um, yes. then like, yeah. guess what? He's probably coming back yeah. in that episode. So um I think I don't know. I think it's it's kind of a double edged sword, right? Because like you want to keep your audience up to speed, but also yeah, yeah. it didn't. That recap didn't give uh, audience the information they needed to know while spoiling the episodes. <laughs> Just kind of like this didn't really help you anyone out. Yeah, so. it should have been a re it should have been a supercut of a recap of Book of Boba Fett, um, the relevant Mando Grogu parts, um, mm -hmm. just to be like, here you go. Um, 
I wonder who puts those together and who's responsible for signing off on those. I, I'll, I won't reveal it, but there was someone who I know who's like a, a big high up EP on a network TV show mm-hmm. that was really upset over a next week on, you know, mm. like, you know, pre- like a preview thing and like, and said that told me that the network does those. Now, this is different. This is Disney Plus and it's yeah. Lucasfilm and it's John Favreau. And like, but I always wonder about little things like that. Like, who is coming up with these and, and how, like, how close are the eyes on it? And what's the approval processes like for that? Well, it's, it's like trailers too. You know, yeah. a lot of filmmakers um, don't get a say in what's in their trailers. Usually they get final approval um, yeah. and they can sort of make suggestions or things like that. But, you know, you it's usually in a totally different company that comes in and just cuts the trailer. And I'm assuming it's similar for these kind of recaps like you know somebody from the disney team cuts these together every week and and you know but i but i do yeah i think i think it's a it's an interesting kind of thing i just remember the only person i remember ever having like supreme control was matt uh weiner from mad men because i remember the previews would just make like would just be nonsensical because they had nothing in it that's that's because he came from the world of david chase and the sopranos and that was just like you will tell no one anything yeah right all. like the, the the next week on would just be like you literally somebody say, being like you can't come be in this please and like yeah. closing the door <laughs> what what do you mean you know <laughs> have a drink like it was just like exactly. such nonsense, you know it was yeah. always just nonsensical but so. all right uh anything else you guys want to touch on from the premiere um, um we love the space whales we love sp- the spinny chair we loved uh baby yoda hugging uh the anzellans um i i'm always glad to see taika ytv back i will say this just about last thing about ig11 i i recently went back and watched did a rewatch on Man- mando and um such a great character so awesome but i there is that part of me that whenever anyone in the Marvel or Star Wars universe like comes back from the dead, it's just like, yeah, can we it's just, just like, come on. Some things oh, yeah. like it, it just, it's like, up. you know, same thing with Cobb Vanth. Timothy yeah. Oliphant's so great, but like now I never just feel the stakes are real. Whenever it's someone like sacrifices themselves, like IG 11 to go in the lava or, or Cobb Vanth that dies in this epic, you know, old West shootout with Cad Bane. It's like, I don't believe that they're dead anymore because they bring everyone back. I mean, listen, we've t- this goes to Boba Fett. You know, mm-hmm. Boba Fett in the '90s was my favorite Star Wars character ever. Should have let him. Should have kept him in the Sarlacc pit. No offense to Tamara Morrison. <laughs> no offense to the stories they've done. But like, what made him cool was that mystique and intrigue, and just having you know whatever it was three lines and four movies or whatever. Yeah, I think this is a problem sort of Star Wars wide um, where we're just seeing so many resurrections. I mean, the number one offender being um, somehow Palpatine returned. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But I I do think it's it's true. I think you need to allow sacrifices to be sacrifices because otherwise they lose their narrative weight. And I think this is a problem sort of across all storytelling. Um, But Star Wars, especially recently, has been very guilty of it. And I think you're right. I think you know let a death be a death let it mean something if you want to if you want your audience to treat a death as like the major plot point that it is you can't keep like undoing it um and it sort of feels that way a little bit about you know mando saying goodbye to grogu like that is a big emotional moment that was like the emotional core of season two it was like he removed his helmet there were tears it was this whole thing and they immediately undid it within like one episode um, of a show that is and so like by the time Mandalorian so if you're watching the Mandalorian you watch season two you're like oh my gosh what a big sacrifice and then it's immediately undone for season three yeah and so I think I I I really like this you know what we've seen so far of the season and, and there's so much stuff I like here but I I do I I would love to see the show sit with a little bit more of its narrative weight um and sort of let things you know uh if something big happens and there's consequences, sit with those consequences for a little bit. Yeah. It's okay to, you know, make big choices. You don't have to immediately undo them. Um, so I'm curious whether we'll we'll see more of this uh, going forward. That being said, I do hope they bring back Cobb Vanth because I don't want him to stay dead. <laughs> so, <laughs> so erase selfishly. everything I just said. <laughs> exactly. Like, okay, like, some people should. And he gets to come some back. people should Everybody stay else dead. Has to die. No. You know, it's okay to to kill some people and some some characters should stay dead. Cobb Vanth is not one of them. Bring him back. Bring my boy back. <laughs> the one thing, though, I was thinking uh, where I was just like, yeah, it, and this goes off of what Devin was saying. It was like, it would have been nice to see some more, 
more time of Mando without Grogu. I mean, and we got that just like a couple, like that, that, that scene where you could kind of tell he was really suffering in Book of Boba Fett, but it was just like, I would just imagine like an entire season of that where he's off and doing these things and messing Grogu. Like then when you bring Grogu back, it would have made a lot more like, you know, it wouldn't just have felt like Disney marketing is like, you have to bring him back. We need to put him on t-shirts or whatever it is, you know? Uh, and speaking as someone with a lot of Grogu merchandise, I like my Grogu merchandise, but like, I feel like the dramatic weight of the show would have been better if we didn't see Grogu for a little And, and by the way, Grogu did not need to be in Book of Boba. They could have done the exact no. same story, yeah. just taken out the Luke stuff yeah. and taken out that one scene where, you know, Grogu and Tatooine puts his hand yeah. up and kills the whatever thing. But like they, it, it could have been just Mando there you know, helping out yeah. Boba Fett and it would have been fine. And by the way, Lauren, you talk about your Grogu merchandise. I was thinking about you when I put on the season premiere episode of Mandalorian and on the Disney Mandalorian page, there's like a big like link to the Disney store. It's like, <laughs> you click here for like exclusive Grogu merchandise. I'm like, Lauren's already there. She's already ordered. I like, haven't checked it out today. Snow I'm not sure. Yeah, I, you and know, things, yeah. I'm, I'm sure there's like a, uh, a Grogu eating, uh, uh, you know, M&Ms or whatever the heck that yeah, was. They look like were. fireballs or something. I was just like, I will say, you know, Disney is thrilled that The Mandalorian is back because like Andor merch just doesn't quite yeah. hit the same. No. You can't no. have like a little, although I would buy like a little like stuffed plushie of like uh, Stellan Skarsgård. I think that would be cool. <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't, it doesn't quite hit the, the same. The, the, Does it come with removable wigs? Right? <laughs> yeah. Like, I, honestly, no, I, you know what I want? I want a play set of Mon Mothma's apartment. Like, oh, a, yeah. like a Barbie dream house wow. that's just Mon Mothma's yes. apartment. Yeah, um, that would be really nice. But yeah, you can't really do Gogurt for Andor. It just doesn't work. <laughs> no, so. they did do some Lego sets, but you know. But right, like I, Lego I think makes sense. But yeah. like you I assume can't, they're going to be no Black Lego Series waffles. Andor stuff. Yeah, but, you yeah, know. yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. very Black Series, yeah. But you know, mm-hmm. it, you you can't do the Christmas ornaments and the plushies and the, you know, the all the, I mean, all the stuff sh- that Lauren has. I'm sure has. they're going to try, but you know, anyway. Again, give me that, give me that, that dollhouse, Mon Mothma. Disney, call me. I want a portion of the proceeds. <laughs> well, uh, we'll be, listen, the episode one's in the books. Each and every week, we'll be recapping the episodes and be speaking to uh, cast and crew. Speaking of which, this week I had a chance to chat with uh, Rick Famuwa, who directed The Mandalorian season three premiere. He's now an executive producer on the show as well. And he talked about how he directs Grogu. How do you manage that? And uh, if he agrees with Pedro Pascal that Return of the Jedi is the best Star Wars film, it's not. Uh, it's good stuff, and it is coming up right after this quick break. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, let's, let's get the big question out of the way first. Uh, will Republic pilot Jib Dodger be making an appearance in season three? <laughs> oh, let's see. Um, I, I can say if you squint <laughs> hard enough, you might be able to see him somewhere <laughs> in season three. <laughs> uh, you've directed episodes in, in the first two seasons, but now you're also an executive producer. What, what does that mean in terms of has your role changed in season three? Uh, do you have more on your plate? Tell me about that. Um, I feel like this season has is, is sort of been, it's, you know, a kind of a culmination in a lot of ways, both creatively and, and, and my role with the show. Um, I think it's, this is, I, I've had the, the opportunity and pleasure to, to direct a lot of, ep, you know, a few episodes within the, the couple seasons of Mando and and also write on it and i think as a result i've i've been able to have uh, a kind of uh, relationship with john and dave in terms of the process that's been that's been great um and there's such a collaborative process in in how this this story has come together 
um, in, in an open process that I, I always felt like my ideas and my, you know, my approach was was uh, was a big part of what we were doing. And, and there was always openness to that. And so as as this season came together and 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 it was starting to come, to, you know, into the mind, John's mind, he, he he reached out to me about coming on in a more expanded role as a, as an executive producer um, and also to continue, you know, directing episodes. And so it was it was an exciting evolution. But but I think kind of it it, it was it felt like a natural evolution to, uh, in terms of how we've been working together over um, the first two seasons. And so, yes, it, it, it involved uh, a more expanded role in terms of being being a part of the process from the beginning to the end. Uh, and, and that's been exciting. I, I think I was, you know, it, I always had kind of a an idea of where things were going because of John's process being so open. So even from season one, I had a sense of where each episode was going. So as I was directing, I, I, I didn't feel like I was in the dark. Um, and that expanded to season two as I, I started to write more um, for, for my episodes and, and, and figure out how that was working with everything John and, and Dave were writing. So again, this just felt like a natural... Uh, evolution, uh, and I'm excited to to have more of of, uh, of a of a guiding hand in all of that. But it it still feels very much similar to where it was, just a, just a lot more of it, I guess. <laughs> so, yeah. how, how does it determine? Like, I know some other shows, whenever they're going to introduce like a new community or something, or mm-hmm. they'll use a certain director, or maybe a certain director does premieres and or finales. How does it determine which episodes you're going to direct? How do you guys work out when you're actually going to get behind the camera? Yeah, I mean, I think for um, for this season, you know, I, I wanted because I was going to be a part of it and also directing. I wanted to to really figure out where and how I could best you know help shape the 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 arc of the story. Um, while also introducing new directors into the process, and so. Uh, for me, it felt like the doing the first episode and then concluding the series felt like the the right place because as you know as the person you know of the directors who've been around the from season one uh it felt like a good way to kind of contain the season, both knowing very intimately where we're starting and and where we're going. Um, and I, I felt like that would help me as I had, you know, to interact with the, the directors that were coming on board to kind of help keep everything uh, kind of in line. Uh, and so I think that was a big, you know, John uh, and Dave, um, you know, were, as always, it's kind of the driving force in terms of what that is. But I think, you know, having me do those two episodes really... I think helped, um, you know, helped kind of guide that process, particularly for the new directors that were coming in. You know? Well, I, I, you know, I know when you're dealing with actors, uh, there's certain ways you have to relate and things you have to do. How do you direct a Grogu? Like, what is that process <laughs> like? How do you, how do you like that whole entity? How do you approach that as a director? I, you know, it's it's yeah, it's it's an interesting process. But for me, I felt like. To make it easier, I just have to approach this the way I would if um, if I was talking to a human being <laughs> in front of me. Um, and so, uh, so I, in terms of how I'm thinking about performance, and really because the you know the magicians at Legacy who who built this puppet and and are so emotive in terms of how they're able to to bring performance. And really use that face uh, in such unique and nuanced ways. Uh, it really made it easier for me to just talk to the puppeteers the way that I would be talking to an actor. And if there's certain things that I was looking for, if there's certain things I felt, you know, could be expanded on or weren't quite working, I would just talk to them and say, "Hey, here's what here's what I'm looking for. I, I really need to see a little bit more of this." Um, and so that process, you know, once you get past <laughs> the fact that you're talking to like 
five people <laughs> that are controlling this one character, and it's the job of one person just to work on the hands, and <laughs> one person who's just working on the brows and the. And it's like, but somehow they're like a a, a one unit, and they're all kind of nodding. <laughs> talking to you uh, and responding back in unison but once you get past that it's like okay I'm just going to direct this like I would direct any actor um, I don't really talk to him <laughs> I haven't got to that point where I'm like talking to the puppet but I do talk to the puppeteers and just go alright let's here's the scene let's get into it uh, I saw Pedro say recently that he called said Return of the Jedi was his favorite Star Wars movie. Mm -hmm. Now I'm an Empire Strikes Back guy, so yeah. that was a little controversial. Yeah, why? yeah. What, what's your favorite one and why? I mean, I I think, yeah. I mean, Empire Strikes Back was the one where I it really sort of uh, got me, just in terms of the 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 storytelling, the development of the relationships, but then also like, oh my God, we're this is where we're gonna end, and and the bad guys, and the good guys aren't gonna, they don't just walk away, and they have to deal with that. There was something that as a kid I was like, what is, what is this? What does this mean? And 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 it sort of took me to this idea that storytelling didn't necessarily always have to tie itself up in this neat bow. So Empire Strikes Back is 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 my favorite, but I I still think because of the impact it had, a close, very close second is New Hope. Just because you know there's there's nothing like those moments when I first saw that film. Uh, the impact that had still still resonates. So even though I think there are many parts of Empire Strikes Back that I that I that I like a little bit more, there's something about New Hope. Um, that that will always get me in terms of what of what that movie was, but yeah, that's so that's my yeah. political answer of saying both. <laughs> that first shot of the star destroyer <laughs> yeah. right in New Hope, yeah, is yeah, something we've never seen before. Exactly, exactly. Uh, Rick, man, thanks so much for the time. I can't wait to check out everything on season three, man. Man, no, thank you. Thanks for having me. Take care, bud. Thanks to Rick Famuwa for hanging out with us this week. And thank you for hanging out as well. Please do us a super solid and follow and rate and review the podcast. And also please tell all your friends about it because your friends are our friends. At least we'd like them to be. Uh, you can also connect with us on social media by following Entertainment Weekly on all socials. It's at EW on Twitter and at Entertainment Weekly everywhere else. You can also tag and follow us directly using at Dalton Ross, at Devin Kogan, and at Lord. Thanks so much, everyone. We'll do it all over again next week. This episode of Dagobah Dispatch is hosted by Dalton Ross, Devin Kogan, and Lauren Morgan. Produced by Chanel Johnson and Sammy Junio. Edited by Sammy Junio. Full episode transcripts are available at EW.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>